Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. John chapter 13, as you're being seated today, John chapter 13. We're going to plug into the power that God is releasing on this earth. I am of the same mindset of Lester Summerall. If God's doing anything on this planet, I want to be right in the middle of what God is doing. Amen? I don't want to be on the sidelines. I don't want to watch from afar. I want to be involved. And so I desire and ask the Lord, let us be... Our church, our church family, be right in the middle of what you want to do in our community. John chapter 13, I'm going to read through verse, verses 1 through 16, and I'm going to move through them so that we can uh, see the, the full impact of the situation. Uh, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things unto his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answering and said unto him, What I do... You knowest not now, but you shall know hereafter. You don't realize what I'm doing, but you will. You will know hereafter. Peter said unto him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answering him, If I wash thee not, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He that is washed need not save to wash his feet, but it's clean every whit. And you are clean, but not all, for he knew who should betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you. Now he just told Peter, you don't know, but you will know hereafter. But he is illustrating an important point. Now, because of the brevity of everything it said was about to take place, that he was going to go to the Father, that he realized he was from God and went to God, 
Because of the brevity of everything listed here in verses 1, 2, and 3, indicating this is a precise moment in time that he has chosen to give this illustrated sermon, that he has chosen to demonstrate what is about to take place. He is demonstrating in, the, in those, those moments before something that he wanted to be imprinted on their mind. He wanted this to stick with them. He wanted them to go away, not just with something he said, that they're going to have to try to remember what he said, but something that he showed them a visual to keep it in the forefront of their thinking. He said, do you know what I have done to you? You call me master and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Would you underline that word ought in your Bible? Would you mark that in some way, highlight it, underline it, whatever way it is you mark in your Bible? You also ought, before anyone gets afraid, I am not going to pull out any basins and pull your socks off today and wash your feet. Thank you, Jesus. You also ought to wash one another's feet. Verse 15, for I have given you an example that you should do. Underline that, mark it. You should do. You also ought you should do as I have done unto you. So now we see why he has given them such a visual illustration because he is saying this is something you ought to do, this is something you should do. You ought to, you should do as I have done unto you. Notice, you ought to wash one another's feet and you should do for others as I have done to you. Verse 16, Verily I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Every believer in this room today is a sent one. You, are, you and I, we are sent ones. Whether you ever step into a pulpit and preach from behind a pulpit, you are a sent one. You are a disciple of Christ as a believer in Him. You are one of His disciples. And as a believer, you are sent into the areas of your influence. So He says there are things we ought to do and things we should do. And then He... Uh, re-emphasizes the servant is not greater than the Lord, neither is he that sent greater than he that sent him. In other words, if I can wash and serve you, you can serve each other. Luke 22, 25. Luke 22, verse 25. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. In other words, the system that they use in the world is not the way it is in the kingdom. You shall not be so, but he that is greatest among you. We're talking about the kingdom way. 
He that is greatest in the kingdom among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that does serve. He that is chief or in that position of the greatest importance is among you as one who serves. Let him be as a servant. Matthew 20, 25. We're establishing a perception that is a kingdom perception that Jesus brought to us through these scriptures. Matthew 20, 25. And it requires this renewing of the mind so that we can see things correctly because if you're reaching for the wrong thing in ministry, you'll end up in the wrong place. If you think ministry is about being recognized... If you think, you know, ministry is about doing something that seems important to the world system, then you're going to end up in the wrong place because you've set your course in the wrong direction. So here in Matthew chapter 20, uh, verse 25, But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. Again, he's referring to how it's done in the world system. Verse 26, But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Before we move forward any further, let us have a correct definition of minister. Because in the body of Christ today, a lot of people have a different definition of minister than this verse describes. The original language describes, this is the word diakonos. Diakonos, it is defined in the Strong's Concordance, one who executes the commands of another. One who executes the commands of another. A servant, an attendant... So minister, a more accurate definition would be servant. Servant, let him be your servant. Whosoever will be great among you, let him be one who executes the commands of another. One who is a servant. If you, and now think about Jesus, how many times he said, I do not come to do my will. I've only come to do the will of the one who sent me. Jesus did not come here and do anything that was outside of God's instruction to him. That word commandment that we looked at, that means prescription. In the New Testament, Jesus said, My Father has given me a prescription, a commandment of what I should say and what I should speak. That's all he did. He only did what the Father told him. And that's why the book of Isaiah refers to Jesus as a servant. Jesus came as a servant. The Son of God, the first begotten of the Father, hallelujah, came not as one to be served, but He came serving, serving God, giving you and I the example of how we are to conduct our lives in His same pattern, serving God, doing God's will. Not my will, thy will be done. 
I want what God wants for me. I want to serve God. I want to do your will, O God. So he says, whoever will be great among you, let him be as a servant, executing the commands of another. I love how uh, Brother Keith Moore, he said that people will come to him as he was building that first church and they would say, we want to do this with our church and we want to have this outreach and we want to do this. And he said, I don't even get to do what I want to do. I'm the pastor, but I don't get to say, I like this and we're going to sing this kind of song and we're going to do this. He said, I don't get to do what I want to do. I can't just choose things on a whim because it looks good or feels good or sounds good. I have to know that's what God's called us to do. Amen? I have because everything I have is actually something I'm responsible for that I want to make sure it's in line with what He wants. I'm here to execute the command of Him, what He wants for my life. So let Him be, let that person who wants to be great in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, let Him be a servant. Let Him be a servant. Serving in the kingdom... God equals that with greatness in the kingdom. Serving the plan of God, God equals that with greatness in the kingdom. Serving in the local church, God calls that greatness. Amen? I mean, vacuuming the church, God says, ooh, that's, that, that, that's greatness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Whoever will be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. It's the same word, diakonos. One who executes the commands of another. A servant, an attendant. Hallelujah. For even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. That's the same serving word again. I came to serve. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So I did not come to be ministered to. That wasn't the purpose. Right? He came to serve. And that is the pattern that he set for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's look here at verse 28. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, and then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now this is not a list that is in an order of importance. If you really look at this, it is a list of how you see it played out in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, there was first and foremost the apostles. They were the ones who had walked with Jesus. They were the ones who had been under his teaching. And everybody else who got born on the day of Pentecost, born again on the day of Pentecost, and then later, uh, in a few chapters later, the, the other large group that was born again, those people that were being added to the church daily, they were all new Christians. And so the only people who had that foundation were the apostles. So we see the apostles, God set in the church first. When the church was born in the New Testament, He first established in the church the apostles 
to help build the foundation for the local church. And then we see prophets added to the church. And then teachers. And then when it refers to miracles, that's referring to the gift of the evangelist. The office of the evangelist is most likely connected with the operation of miracles, gifts of healings. And then it says... Right here in this... Now, I'm impressed with miracles. Anybody impressed with miracles? I'm impressed with miracles. Woo! Are you impressed? Come on, somebody help me out. Nobody in here impressed with miracles? I'm impressed with miracles. Gifts of healings. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Are they impressive? Right there in the same list is this little word, helps. Helps. Right there with gifts of healings. Right there with the apostles. Right there with governments is going to be referring to the, the pastor. That word governments, governments is a word that means to steer or to pilot or to direct a ship. So that's the office of the pastor. Right here in the midst of this, we see the helps ministry. The helps ministry. God set in the church the helps ministry. God thought the helps ministry was of such great importance and such great worth that he put it in the church. God put the helps ministry in the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Alongside, so that means I don't have to be called to a five-fold ministry office to have something I can do for God. Because not everybody's going to be called to the five-fold ministry office. And if you're not, just praise God. Don't try to make it happen. If you're not called into the five-fold ministry, rejoice where you are, but recognize you still have a role to play that is just as vital and just as important in the plan of God by serving, helping, serving, helping, serving, helping here in the local church. Hallelujah. This word help means to lay hold of or support. To lay hold of or support. One who gives assistance. One who gives assistance. That can include the one who scrubs the toilet you sat on when you came to church today. That could include the one who vacuums the floor under your feet where you're sitting right now. That could include the one who opened the door and greeted you when you walked in. That includes the one who are back there teaching the children in children's ministry. Amen? One who gives assistance. So God has set the children's worker in the church. And God has set the usher in the church. And God has set the greeter in the church. Under the the role of the pastor, under the vision of the house, we all have a part to play in the kingdom of God. So he says this is, this word means, uh, he says God has said in the church those to lay hold of or support the vision, one who gives assistance to the vision, and I like this definition, the word also means participation. Participation. God has set participation in the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm here to help. We all have a part to play. We are all here to help God do what God is doing right here in the midst of the, the, our community, in our church family. Amen? Hallelujah. Ephesians 4, let's look at verse 16. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Ephesians 4, verse 16, and I'm going to ask for the Amplified if you want, already want to go to the Amplified there on the screen. I'll read from the King James and they'll pull up the Amplified for me. It says in verse uh, 16, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The Amplified says, For because of him, the whole body, the church, in all its various parts, Hallelujah. You know, I love my little toe. Y'all have never seen my little toe, but I'm thankful I have it. You would never know how important my little toe is to me. But if I, I remember the time that I hit it on the coffee table and it hurt for three weeks, I thank God for the health of my little toe. It provides balance to my life. It gives me stability. It, 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 it's better for it to be in working condition. Every part is valuable. Every part is valuable. So when it says various parts, we can't look and say, well, that's not important and that part's not important and that part's not important. What's really important? You know, a lot of times we give more importance to the makeup on our face, ladies, or, or the hair or the way that certain clothes fit or whatever. But what's really important is the wholeness of the body, right? It says the whole body, the church... In all its various parts, closely joined and firmly knit together. How are we knit together? By the joints and the ligaments with which it's supplied. When each part, each part with power adapted to its need. So my little toe has a part to play. It does make stability in my, in my stand. Amen? Every part has an aspect of wholeness that it brings to the body. It says that every part with power adapted to its need when it is working, hallelujah, properly in all its functions grows to full maturity, building itself up in love. If you want to know God's goal for you, maturity Building up in love is, means the same thing. Maturity is it. God wants every one of us individually to grow in maturity, but He also wants us as a church family growing in maturity. Amen. And although we have, we have come so far, we're not there yet. We have not reached the full apex of all the maturity and the love walk that we could, so we all have a growing together in this plan of God. And so if you want to know what equals maturity, it says it right there, building itself up in love. Growing in maturity equals, it's the same thing as building ourselves up in the love of God. And how do we do that? We do that by coming together in the purpose and plan of God and serving one another. He said, by love, serve one another. In the book of Ephesians, by love, serve one another. Hallelujah. So we haven't been set free, the New Testament tells us, just to go off 
on some uh, uh, other direction, but we have been given this liberty so that we can by love serve one another. Amen? Amen? Growing up into full maturity. This is the plan here. Hallelujah. Every part, each part with power adapted to its need, working properly. So that means that we all, listen, church is not a spectator sport. A lot of people, and you know what happens to the spectators in the stands? They haven't played football in 20 years, but they're standing up there and they're criticizing the one who's been practicing and the one who's been really working out and trying to give it their best. They're down there on the field giving it their best. And those, those haven't played in 20 years football players from high school, right? They're sitting up there criticizing. That's why church is not meant to be a spectator sport. You are here today to receive and grow and, and put it to work. I'm just passing out ammunition today. I'm just, I'm, I'm providing food to help us all grow. Amen? And part of that is for us in this maturity to recognize what makes me great in the kingdom is serving God by serving each other in the local church. I want to uh, look at verse 11. Same chapter, verse 11. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. That's what we refer to as the fivefold ministry offices. They are supernatural offices. They're not just job responsibilities. It's not just that, that the pastor has just the natural responsibilities. There's a supernatural office with a supernatural supply for, from God. And so... Those who stand in those offices can gain proficiency in their office. If you have seen anyone who has ever stood in that office, our pastor has stood in the office of the pastor over 20 years. December that just passed, he said 23 years in this church family. Amen? That we've been pastoring here. He has stood in that office and he has developed the spiritual flow of that office in a greater way than someone who just got called into the office a week ago. Pastor Caldwell has stood in the office of the pastor for over 35 years and faithfully executed from that office out of that spiritual supply. And when he speaks, there is a supernatural safety he can say things that just bring a, a soothing to the spirit. Amen. A flow of wisdom that's not coming out of the natural aspects that's coming out of the office. He's learned how to get into that office and minister out of that office. And so every person who stands in an office or has been called into an office has to bring themselves to the skill and adapting of the equipment in the office. Kathleen used to work in the office with me, and there was equipment that she had to, she knew how to make the printer work if the printer didn't want to work. She had, she had gained skill in working in the office with the equipment in the office. Amen? 
And that same is true here for the fivefold ministry offices. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And the purpose of the offices, these supernatural offices that Jesus has set into the church, the head of the church, Jesus, the head of the church, has given these gifts. He says they are spiritual gifts. They are are spiritual supplies and flows for the kingdom of God. What is the purpose of these offices? Verse 12 defines the purpose for these ministry offices for the perfecting of the saints. The word perfecting means maturing. For the maturing of the saints. The maturing of the saints takes place in the body. In the body, in the church. The church is the body of Christ. Not this building. This, this, this building is not our church. This building is where our church meets. We are the church. We are the church. And we need perfecting. Amen. That perfecting takes place spiritually. That perf- perfecting is something that is a spiritual supply that I'm receiving in my heart. This food that I'm receiving spiritually. This instruction that I'm receiving spiritually. This light that is being shown upon my path. This is a spiritual maturing so that I can do the work of the ministry. Notice that's the very next thing it says. The maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry. Because for the work of the ministry to be done, it's not going to be done by those who are immature. Immature in their development. Why? Because it takes faithfulness, for one thing. It takes faithfulness to be a greeter. It takes faithfulness because if a person is unfaithful, it takes faithfulness to be on the praise team. That's why just because a person has skill doesn't qualify them for the praise team. If they don't have faithfulness then we're always going to be with minus an instrument that we were depending on. What happens if your big toe suddenly says, I'm not working tomorrow? And you get up in the morning, I've got to, oh, okay, i got to rearrange everything because this big toe doesn't want to work for me today and has been unfaithful. And so stand without that big toe. Walk without that big toe. It's going to make your walk different. It's going to make your stand different. You're going to be hobbling instead of walking confidently, right? And in the body, the local church body, for us to have the work of the ministry go forth, there has to be that maturity that provides the faithfulness. And when there are sometimes, you know, when pastor has that, that yearly meeting and he talks about the requirements of attendance, if you want to be a, a, a worker in any department in the ministry, and people say, well, you know, not, not very many people have ever said that, but any of the people that have ever rolled their eyes back and, and been uh, uh, against having to attend church that much, why would they be against wanting to sit under the vision, Right? And to be a part of what is taking place here. If there's nothing, if if that discipline and that faithfulness isn't taught and brought in, then there will be areas in the work of the ministry that will be intermittent, that will that will stutter, that will that will lag behind. Amen? And so the perfecting of the, fa- the saints, the maturing of the people of God 
is the, the key for the work of the ministry, which will result in the edifying of the body of Christ. So this is, this is a, an element of maturity. My coming to church isn't just for what I'm going to get out of the service. That's from, an, that's from a, a more immature standpoint. I don't come to church just for what I'm going to get. Amen. I'm coming to church to see what I can bring. Encouragement to my brothers and sisters. An a, a, a example of faithfulness in serving in the body of Christ. I'll be able to be there if somebody needs a, 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 a cheering up. I'll be able to be there if somebody needs me to believe with them in prayer about something, agree with them in prayer. Amen? So when, when a teenager, as a teenager grows, they have to begin to see the operation of the whole house and not just them. Right? At some point, it's not just about me, 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 my, 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 I, I, I. It becomes about what's good for the whole family. The, the pastor has to make his decision based on what's good for the whole family. The husband of the house has to make the decision what's good for the whole family. The reason we submit as wives is because... It, and, and it's a lot easier to submit when the husband has that viewpoint. I'm making decisions based on what's good for us, us as a whole. Not for the moment. Not for what looks good at the moment. But I've got to see down the road and what's going to be good for our, our welfare in the future. What's going to be safety for us. What's going to be long-term health for our family. Hallelujah. And then, then that submitting, that, that help meet that the wife is equipped for can come to help the vision for the whole family. And in the church family, with the pastor seeing what is the assignment of Jesus for the family, that's what we have to make, that's where the provision is. Pastor can't just decide to go do something because some other church is doing it and this outreach because some other church is having it or preaching uh, uh, down a different road because some other church is preaching it because provision's not for that. Our provision is attached to the vision. And so if we want the provision, we've got to stick with the vision. And that's why pastor gets the vision and, and makes that vision clear to us, and then we run with it. Amen. We read it and we run with it. And we begin to put it to work in the, in the children's department, in the youth department, in the greeters department, in the praise team. We're here being uh, 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 particip par participants in the vision. How are we participating? Not by watching from afar, but by putting our hands to serve, Amen. bringing our supply to serve. We should have enough people serving that nobody has to be a greeter every single week. We should have enough greeters that everybody can be a greeter twice a month. That our children's ministers don't have to be children's ministers every week, but they could alternate. We should have enough people serving. Helps. I'm going to get, this is what Buddy Bell, this is the acronym God gave him for helps. Having, 
enough loving people serving. Having enough loving people serving. Why? Because my serving is love. My serving is I'm loving God by loving you. That's serving. Having enough loving people serving. And God set helps in the church. And it's for the work of the ministry. But there has to be that connection in the receiving so that we can grow and develop the maturity for the house. Amen? Amen. Now, I want to uh, go to the book of Psalms, chapter 127. We know that the church is not this building, but we are the church. So the building is a spiritual building And the coming together is a part of that being built. Psalm 127, verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build the house. Hallelujah. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. So we, the church, the body, we are the house that the Lord is building. What an honor. we've We've got to switch this. Wait, God says it's greatness to serve. And so for me to get to work in a department is honor. It's honor for me to come to church and it's honor for me to serve in the church, for me to connect and to do something for God in the church. It's an honor. Why? Because this is the house the Lord is building. This is what God is doing. Amen? Hallelujah. Psalm 8410. I'm, I'm talking about mindset now. This is the house the Lord is building. And so it's an honor to be a part. Psalm 8410 shows us a mindset. He said, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. A day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. Come on. This perception, come on, this scripture, I would rather be a doorkeeper, a greeter in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Hallelujah. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I don't have to be the one behind the pulpit. I don't have to be the keyboard player. I don't have to be up there in front of everybody. Just just let me have a part to play in what God is doing. Amen. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. So this attitude is something that uh, is, is cultivated. First Chronicles 13, I'm going to give you some examples of how this was cultivated in people's lives. First Chronicles chapter 13, I'm going to look at verse 13. It says, So David brought not the ark home to himself in the city of David, but he carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house 
three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Wow. So they were wanting to bring the ark back to the city. But because of the breach upon Uzzah that occurred when Uzzah reached out and inappropriately handled the presence of God and it caused a breach upon him and he died, David didn't want to move any further and he said, whose house is nearest? It just happened to be Obed-Edom who was a Levitical priest lineage. He was a Levite. And so they said, let's put the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant in Obed-Edom's house. Let's put the Ark of the Covenant in Obed-Edom's property. And what happened? What happened? The blessing of God. He, the house, he in his house, three months, three months, Obed-Edom has the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God in his house. And oh my goodness, the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Why? Because the presence of the Lord was in his house. Uh, let's compare this to 2 Samuel 6. 2 Samuel has an, an, another telling of this. And we'll just read both of them. 2 Samuel 6, verses 10 through 12. So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him unto the city, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite, and the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, uh, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, saying, the Lord... I mean, you know that's a blessing when it gets around like this. It comes all the way back to the king. And now the king is hearing the testimony. You know, here's King David, who his greatest desire is the presence of God. This is King David whose heart, he's got the heart after God. And now he's hearing people talk about, Woo, you should see Obed-Edom and his family. They have had the house, the presence of God in their house, the Ark of the Covenant and God. What kind of blessing do you think came on them that was so visible? What kind of things began happening in Obed-Edom's house that, that caused this stir? It says, it was told the king, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertains unto him. So that must have meant his family was getting blessed, his finances were getting blessed, all of his herds were prospering, all of his, his crops were prospering. The Lord has blessed him and all that pertains unto him because of the ark of God. Because of the ark of God. So David went up and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. I mean, he said, we were, thank you, Obed-Edom, but we want the presence of God back where, right here in the midst of his people where it belongs. And it was so when they that bare the ark of the Lord had gone six, six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings, and David danced before the Lord with all of his might. So to bring back the ark of the Lord, he had to uh, uh, properly walk out the instruction of honoring God by having the Levitical priests carrying the ark with the staves and not trying to touch it with their hands. 
They were they at first had it on a cart. It's not supposed to be on a cart. It's supposed to be carried on the shoulders of the men of God. That's why we need strong men leading in departments. Women, I'm not a women's hater. You, I'm the I'm the senior co-pastor of the church, but we need strong men too. We need strong men leading and carrying the, the presence of God. We need strong men in our families. We need strong men in our church family. Amen? And so the instruction, when he got the instructions about the house of, of, of returning the presence of God to the city of Jerusalem, they did that. And so the Ark of the Covenant came back in to the city. It says... In 1 Chronicles 15, 18, what happened for Obed-Edom after the Ark of the Covenant left his house? After the Ark of the Covenant left his house, where did Obed-Edom go? What happened to Obed-Edom? I want to know. I want to know. If Obed-Edom got that blessed in the three months that the presence of God was in his house, did Obed-Edom just count his blessings and go on his merry way? Or what did he do? Well, here in 1, Corinthians, or 1 Chronicles 15, verse 18, we find Obed-Edom. And with them, this is talking about the, the Levitical priests, uh, the doorkeepers, it says porters, in the house of God. After the ark of God had left his house, he follows the ark of God into town. With them, their brethren of the second degree, Zechariah, Ben, and Jeziel, and Shemeramoth, and Jehileel, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, I'm not going to even try to ruin all those names. And Obed-Edom. Do you see Obed-Edom became a porter in the house of God? An usher? An usher. He said, I know where the blessing is. Let me serve. He became an usher. But that wasn't all. Verse 21. And, and Mathedia and Elephaldia, McNaii and Obed-Edom and Jael and Azariah with harps. So not only was he on the usher team, he was on the praise team too. You know, it's okay if you want to serve on both. It's okay if you want to say, I'm going to be an usher, but I'm going, to, I'm going to play up here when the opportunity is to play up here. And then if I need to ush, I'll ush too. Yeah. Right? And so he was on the harps. Obed-Edom, you see him here. He's on the usher team. He's on the harps. Hallelujah. Verse 24, Shebaniah, Jehoshaphat, Nehethaniel, Amasaiah, Zechariah, Benaniah, Eliezer the priest did blow with the trumpets before the ark of God and Obed-Edom. Woo! Obed-Edom. He's on three departments. He's got three roles of servant. Why do you think he did that? Because he knew where the blessing got connected in his life. And do you think that blessing remained in his life? Do you think God diminished that blessing? No, you've got him. He's serving in three different areas of the working of the church. He's a doorkeeper, he's a porter, and he's working on the praise team. Hallelujah. He couldn't stay away. He couldn't stay away. That's got to be the mindset that we cultivate. Is God has changed my life here. God's put my marriage back together here. God has, has, has saved my children from things I don't even know they're saved from. Right. 
because they didn't have to endure it and I didn't have to go through that. And God, when I did need him, he was there to lead me through that difficult time because of the local church. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, chapter 16 of First Chronicles, verse 5. Asaph, the chief, and next to him Zechariah and Jaliel and Shemaramoth and Jehiel and Mathathiah and Eliab and Benaniah and Obed-Edom. And Jael with psalteries and with harps. But Asaph made a sound with simple. So, so here he is again listed of those who were appointed to minister before the ark of the Lord. Look at verse 5. They were appointed to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and to give thanks and praise the Lord. So he's serving on the praise team and when they get ready to set aside a specific detail that's going to give specific praise, who did they look for? They look for, we sell these names in some of these other places. They look for faithful people who are already serving to become part of this detail to give this specific worship to God. Amen? Why? Because they were faithful already on the hearts and the porter and, and the doorkeeper. Now, we also see in chapter 16, verse 38. And Obed-Edom, with their brethren, threescore and eight, Obed-Edom, also the son of Jeduthun and Hosea, to be porters. Hallelujah. So here we see another detail of ministry given to the Ark of the Covenant of worshiping the Lord and Obed-Edom, and not just Obed-Edom, but all the people in Obed-Edom's house. It says Obed-Edom with their brethren. He's talking about that whole group of people. Hallelujah. And, and do you think that he taught his children about this? Do you think they saw their father serving God? Do you think they saw their father serving God and they, they saw that as an example, as in a pattern for them to follow? Chapter 26, verse 4. 1 Chronicles 26, look at verse 4. Moreover, the sons of Obed-Edom were Shammai the firstborn, uh, Jehozabad the second, jo- Joah the third, and Sekar the fourth, and Naniel the fifth, Amiel the sixth. So he had what we see, uh, Issachar the seventh, Peulath the eighth, for God blessed him. And it, it talks about his sons here. Verse 8. All these are the sons of Obed-Edom. They and their sons and their brethren. Able men for the strength for the service. Were three score and two of Obed-Edom. Hallelujah. So his sons were serving too. His sons and his grandsons went on to serve. It just listed all of them and said they were serving here in these later chapters in the house of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And, and I might close with one close today. It might be my first and final. And y'all could mark it down and say, it has happened. It happened. She closed and stayed with it. Romans chapter... 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, 
Beseech is such a strong word. It means that the person is, it, it, you could illustrate it by being down on their knees, grasping that person by the hands and begging them. I beseech you. I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you because this is so serious. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. If we only interpret that phrase to mean that you live and not sin, every day you get up and say, I'm a living sacrifice, I'm not going to sin today. That's good. Praise God. But that's the elementary part of walking in God. That's the ABCs. That's a, that's a fundamental and that's good. We definitely want to get up and present our body to God and say, today my body is for your your word, I'm going to walk out your word. I'm not going to sin with my body. But that's just the beginning. What am I, if, this is what I'm not going to do, but what am I going to do? It's not, our life before God is not just about what we won't do where sin is concerned, but what will I do to give Him glory? Amen. Right? Amen. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Or you could say it's the least you could do. Why? Because he's purchased you, he bought you, he's re redeemed you, he liberated you, he set you free, he changed your life, he made you a new creature, he made you an heir and a joint heir. I mean, all, all things that pertain unto life and godliness he's given unto you. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places he's made yours. Well, I mean, it's the least you could do to present yourself to him and say, what could I do for you? Right? This word, reasonable service, in the English Standard Version is, says spiritual worship, which is your spiritual worship. Serving God is spiritual worship. Serving on the praise team, serving on the usher department, serving in the parking lot team is spiritual worship. Any of you who were ever touched by Rosemary Allred when you entered into the church building and she gave you a, 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 her greeting, you will know that was spiritual worship. She ministered to us. And there are people who said their first time, Steve Pitnick said the first time I ever came to church, Rosemary was the one who greeted me. He'd never been to a church before. You know, when, when, when pastor says, turn to your neighbor and say, that's the best preacher I've ever heard. Steve will turn around and he said, he's the only preacher I ever heard. Because he had never heard any preacher before Pastor Steele. He heard him in the uh, jail when he was there. And then he came right and came and got connected to the local church. And he's still connected. If you walk through the, the hallway, you'll see he came and painted the hallways this last week. Amen? Although you may not have seen him because they're, they're walking out some things, he's still connected. Amen? But he said, it was because of the way she greeted me that made me feel welcome. Because he'd never been to church before. Amen? Amen? And so it's spiritual worship, our serving before God. The uh, New Living Translation says it this way concerning this verse. 
And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be, your body, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. It's truly the way to worship him. You know, when we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, I just want to do something for you. What can I do for you? Well, you can't go to heaven and vacuum the throne room. But you can come to his local church and vacuum the sanctuary. Amen. You can't go to heaven and open the door to the gate, but you can come to his local church and greet his people as they come in and welcome the newcomers as they enter in Amen. to receive today. Amen? And it's serving. It's serving God. And it's God's plan that we all have a place in the body. It's God's plan that we have something to do. And you don't have to do it every week to be involved in doing it, to participate, to bring your assistance to the vision of the house. Father, I pray for the maturing in every one of our lives, growing in love by serving. Father, that you would bring a clarity and a revelation to us of where we can bring a participation to what you are doing for us to have something to do in your plan, in your purpose, serving you. Father, as we move into this year, let us increase and abound in love one toward another. Let the love of God be the solidity in this church and the relationships and the structure upon which you build as you move us forward in your plan. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor and I know the importance of serving in the local church. As I mentioned, I've ran that camp, not that computer, but I've ran the department and when I came to this church, I didn't even know how to run a computer. I didn't just turn it on was all I knew how to do. Praise God. But in every area that I've served in the local church, I've gained and grown. I've gained relationships. I've grown as I've served alongside of you. Hallelujah. And so we know the importance of it. Uh. I was asked, you know, what about if we just outsource and pay, uh, you know, hire a company to come out and, and salt the walks and, and scrape the sidewalks? Well, then somebody would not have the opportunity to show their love for the church family by coming out and preparing the ground Amen. before we got here. What we have to do as a church family is we have to recognize that we're not setting up these responsibilities and vacuuming the church or, or 
scrubbing the commode or mopping the entryway because we're trying to get a, a, a whip and put you to work. We all have work to do. I've, I've scrubbed that toilet many times. Amen. Amen? It's not anything that's beneath me. Hallelujah. But if you want, here's the thing. For the different departments to flourish, everybody's got to bring their supply. Because if I have to keep taking department heads to go out and, and scrape the sidewalks, guess what they're not ready for? Their department. And if they're supposed to be leading a department, but they're having to set aside their preparation that morning to come out and scrape the sidewalk, then praise God, we'll get the job done but it's not the plan and the purpose that God has. Amen? We should have a parking lot team here. You see me smiling? <laughs> we should have a parking lot team that, that is including men who can be a detail to also provide a security aspect of that. Hallelujah. Who are, are greeting people when they come in and welcoming, welcoming them in. And if the parking lot gets full, directing them to the downtown, letting them know where else they could park. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. It takes us all doing our part. Amen. And I'm not, I'm not out hunting, head hunting, or, or, or fussing at anybody, but I'm telling you, this is what it takes to grow. It takes everybody having that attitude of, I'll do my part. I'm here to help. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm here to help. Stand to your feet with me, please. Praise the Lord.